Do not adjust your settings. Take your hands off the keys. Your search is over. These are the geeks you're looking for. You found... Geek Watch 1. Hey, Geeksters. I'm Kylan. And I'm Ken. And you found Geek Watch 1. Welcome back, Geeksters, to Geek Watch 1. And looking outside today, winter, for real, has shown up in Northeast Ohio, finally. What, middle of <laughs> January? Almost end of January? Yeah, it's about time. Right. There is, we, I ran out and got coffee for, for us this morning, and there is snow everywhere. It's blowing all over the place. It looks like it's actually January. Yeah. And there's accidents all over the roads already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it's yeah. a little slick out there, but it's like if people remember, what, this is Ohio. This is going to be this way, guys. Just take a little well, extra no, time. Right now, it's not because it's slick. It's because the snow is coming down. It's a vision issue. It's not so much the road issue. Right. Yeah. Well, so so the light- good thing is, it's Sunday, and there's not a lot of people on the road. Right. Yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was seeing something wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still getting you know, used to this new stuff. Playoffs going, so maybe just stay home. Eat your yeah, wings there. Stay home. Yeah. Watch the playoffs. Well, be happy. I got to go talk to some guys at the wrestling training today, so I do have to end up going out. But that's uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm not worried about that because I take my time. Right. Mm-hmm. And it helps we have a, a heavy, big car. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just and keep your lights on. You're all good. Yep. It's all Like I said, if everybody takes their time, they're fine. When you're right. in a hurry and you can only see 30 feet in front of you because of the snow, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how are you guys doing? Oh, good. 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 We uh, we we had our book group yesterday. Yeah. We met with our monthly Saturday meet at lunch and stuff, and uh, we we found out uh, a couple weeks ago that the Akron Reading Festival is back this year. Um, the the Akron Family Reading Festival from the main library, and it's they've shifted the date, so it's not until April. Uh, which is a major change because they used to actually have it in February, mm-hmm. beginning of February. Yeah, right. Now it's April. Is it sixth? I think sixth. Um, but yeah. So anyone in the area who's interested, the Rubber City Book Posse will have its table there with free books again. And it's I confirmed with them that it's the full pre-pandemic event, so they're going to have a lot of participants. Um, they have the usual, you know, uh, local child celebrity i guess or celebrity among kids jim gill yeah. <laughs> who's a, a singer he does kids songs and he's all, all at all the events for kids and stuff um and there's also going to be is it outback jack is the zoo one mm-hmm. outback jack with a bunch of animals right and uh, a whole bunch of other tables and stuff and it's free for everyone and you don't even have to bring kids you could just come and enjoy it and get free books from us because we don't want to take them home right so <laughs> I have to go through my library again and see what I have for the, you guys for this year. Right. I think we still have right. some textbooks. Yeah. Uh, on, on a related note, actually, uh, the city of Cleveland, or is it Cuyahoga County? I think it's the city of Cleveland because it's the mayor's thing. Okay, yeah. So the city of Cleveland, uh, I feel like that they've thrown down the gauntlet. Now, a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, Akron, when, how the Akron Reading Festival, ha- Family Reading Festival happened, was that our previous mayor, 
previous previous mayor at this point yeah. uh wanted to act wanted Akron to be the most literate city in America. So we had uh literacy week or something. Yeah. And so there was one day where uh they wanted everyone in the city to read for 30 minutes. Um uh, and it's sort of like the idea of uniting the city. I think it was supposed to be like at 11 from 11 to 11:30 11 something like that. Everybody read at the same time. And they would have it happen in classrooms. Teachers would read to the little kids or they'd have reading moments for right. older students. And then you'd report it on their website. You'd right. see how many people And read. actually, my office, where I worked at that point, I worked with a bunch of readers. And we, even though it was a financial institution, with it being winter, things were a little bit slower. Yeah. So we took advantage of it then, too. And But that's how we got the reading festival right. was out of that. Well, Cleveland now... Uh, they're wanting to either have a million people read. No, no, no. Or, what it's was it? Read a million books. Read a million books. Or a million minutes. Right. They want to hit one or the other. million minutes is much easier to hit because some people are slow readers and they'll just read. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, but Cleveland is a huge city, so conceivably everybody could read one book and bust it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the idea. But I, I have to admit, when I heard that, I, I'm like, yay, Cleveland. Yeah, Akron's got to do something now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little harder yeah, for so. Akron because I think Akron's only got, like, officially, what, 750,000 people? Well, I mean, they don't have to do something exactly like that, but they got to get a return to their literacy push. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I mean, nice. it was uh, – But I, getting the festival back is a big step. Right. Right. So – when I heard that, I was like, oh. And I think at one point there was talk about kind of expanding the reading festival to being on the same level as, like, the Miami and New York book festivals. Right. That there was that idea of it moving towards that. And it looked like that was happening, but it didn't. No. So that's all I got to say about something, that. Oh, wow. something. reading festivals in your city. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was way or off. A festival in your house, or yeah. what we call Tuesday here. Well, so. <laughs> yeah, you've been saying about the million books, how it's been difficult to do. Cleveland officially only has three hundred and fifty or three hundred sixty thousand people, so that'd be a lot of books for them to have to try to read. That that's the main central city of Cleveland. Yeah. If they're talking the suburbs it, and stuff, yeah, the regional area. Yeah, Cleveland technically includes all the suburbs. Yeah, all yeah. the suburbs. So, and, yeah, and for some reason, they a lot of times try to count Akron as part of the suburbs. Uh-uh. But but no. really if they, even if they only have like 300 and something thousand people that's three books a person. Yeah. Right. In a year. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not reading three books a year, there's a problem. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I don't care who you are. You don't even have to be a challenge if you're not reading three books a year at least. Yeah. There's uh-huh. a problem with your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, hey, does comic book count? Cuz I'll read four or five a week. I I don't uh, judge. Tra- trades count because comic books themselves are like you know like not even 20 pages trades count though okay. collected so there so for every like five you read that counts yeah yeah <laughs> which basically you got one story arc you're good yeah that's a story arc yeah, yeah so exactly so but that's kind of cool i don't yeah. know we didn't uh, we didn't do anything super geeky this week other than um i know we talked about jack ryan last week a little bit and kylan hadn't finished yet but you guys have finished it now so we're going to talk about that yes. a little bit because that yeah. definitely needs some talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I had a little bit of excitement last night. Vicky and I, we went out to Youngstown, Ohio, to Real Action Pro Wrestling. That um, I helped. I was one of the guys that helped start the company in Barberton. 
um, way back in like 07 or 08 when we first started wrestling in a little bar in Barberton weekly. Well, I, last night I won ha- I won the tag team championships with my partner. Nice. So that was kind of that was fun. So who's your partner? Went too. Uh, Miles Jacobs. It's one of the kids actually that I've helped in mentoring for the last couple of years. Cool. I got Hi. three three guys that were um, trainees or they just graduated from training when I first when I got back into wrestling, and I've been kind of just coaching them up from there, just helping them little things here and there, being a ear on the end of the phone if needed, or helping them with matches or whatever. Yeah, All I know right. he get he gonna get bit, put time out soon as I see him. He, he called. I was sleeping and he called. <laughs> yeah, he called <laughs> he called us this morning. We didn't get in till like, or we didn't go to bed till about two a.m. and um, after one o'clock when we got home. Yeah, but um, he called at like nine thirty this morning. I'm like, dude, we're not even awake yet. <laughs> mm. So, but no, it was fun. Oh. So, mm. the world of indie wrestling. The way right. I get, I take about two minutes every two three months. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that's the most fun we had this week, other than just watching a little bit of TV here and there. Right. right. So. I finally, I finally went ahead and watched the first episode of uh, the Mayflower Witches, um, which is part of the Anne Rice universe that AMC is starting, uh, along with their interview with the vampire. And it's okay. It's if you if you like the witchiness. Um, I read the. I only read one of the books in that series, so I remembered some of it, and I think those who are fans may like it. I may not move on past that first episode. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not as much into witches as I am vampires and stuff. So I'll say it's no, it's no interview with the vampire. Well, it has the funny thing is it has the same feel. It's got that atmospheric feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that it's not well done. It's just not the story I want to follow. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all. Um. The other thing we did was start. We started watching The Last of Us. Right. Um, we we caught that first episode. Yeah, that's on our list to see. We just didn't sit down and watch it yet. And it's it's good. It like I thought it was really good. I liked it. We'll definitely keep watching it. It's um for anyone familiar with the game. It's a much wider picture than the game because you get you know different points of view and different things going on. Whereas in the game your point of view is only from Joel, the main character, and you just see what he sees and you know what's going on based on his accounts. Whereas the show, to kind of expand on it, you see what's going on with him, but you also see what's going on with the government factions and you see what's going on with the rebellion kind of aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's, in a sense, it's it's like a, a zombie show in the sense that, you know, there's an infection and they've shut a lot of things down and a lot of people have died and they're keeping track of what's going on and taking care of infected people as they need to. Um, but it's not it's not the same as a zombie movie because of the infection yeah. in part. It's right from the start. It's not a spoiler. Right from the start, they tell you basically it's fungus. Right. It's a fungus infection. It, it starts back in the 60s with with a, a, a specialist on a TV show who's explaining how a fungus pandemic can happen and how there's basically no cure because the fungus is a, is a natural living thing that you can't just take a, 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 a kind of inoculation or something against it and right. have it not work. Right. It'll adapt that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting to see the fungus, and you do see people like what happens to them with the fungus thing, 
some of them attack in the same way, like biting people and that kind of thing. So it's it's zombie-ish in the actions, but the uh, the overall story is different. Right. And it's it's an I think it's enough to keep people engrossed. Like yeah. I was I was actually watching it the whole time. A lot of times when I watch things, I'll check my phone or I'll look at some stuff on the laptop and stuff. I actually watched it the whole time. Cool. Like it's just it's just that engrossing. Mm. Well, yeah, so, and I I have the get like um was it uh Sony, Sony will uh, will every month or so, every month they would give out free games. So mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, one of the free ones was The Last of Us. So I downloaded it. I just I have so now had, you kind of know what to expect. Though. I know what to expect of it now. <laughs> there, so. there are changes from the game. Like I've, right. I've I haven't read overall specifics because I don't actually know the game. Mm-hmm. But um, they've said that the changes for the show actually work pretty well. But mm-hmm. they they changed apparently one major plot thing from the game mm-hmm. um but like if you don't know the game it's not going to matter yeah. right well <laughs> some of the stuff you were saying there is, is um a challenge that they always have every time they try to adapt the video game to the screen because right, it's right. like there's things story changes and things because on a video game you are stuck in one person's pov because you're supposed to right. be that character for the whole thing so a lot of in um a tv show or a movie from one point of view period is not easy to do to keep people in his attention. Yeah, I think with this, because it's the pandemic type of thing, they're they're at least able to show you the the warnings and the the precursor. Like you actually see, unlike The Walking Dead, you see it start. Right. You don't know technically what caused it, but you see mm-hmm. it's the very beginnings of it mm-hmm. in Joel's life and how that changes him as a character. Right. Because it's there there's some tragedy involved at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um well, also, yeah, um, the difference with this in The Walking Dead, the zombie infection that you don't know about—that's the dri- That's one of the major driving forces of the story—is trying to figure out what it is, why is this happening? Right, right. Um, the 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 driving force in this is more a matter of getting it cured. Yeah. Right. Um, and based on the first episode, they don't know why. Um, they have to take this girl somewhere. Like they do, they do meet. Um, he and his partner meet the girl and they're told they have to take her to this rendezvous point. They mm-hmm. don't know why she's important though. Right. Um, so obviously that's coming, but mm-hmm. the the other interesting thing was that unlike the whole zombie thing, this infection takes different, takes time based on where you get bitten. There's actually a poster, a very quick glimpse of a poster within the episode that like if you get bitten in the neck, it's almost immediate. If you get bitten more like torso, it can take what is it, like five to eight hours. Yeah. If you get bitten lower body, like the ankle or foot, it can take up to twenty four hours. Yeah. To actually fully infect you, so it's kind of interesting. If and if you think about the way fungus works, if if it's near your your nasal passages where you'd inhale things and get it directly into the lungs, mm-hmm. yes upper body is where it would go first and lower right. body is where it would happen last because it mm-hmm. has to get into your blood flow so right. it's kind of interesting the way they've kind of worked those things in there oh and the other thing it, it looks like is that there is like a sort of like a a timeline when it comes to uh the ones that are infected whereas like at least in walking dead a zombie is just gonna walk forever right but it looked like eventually this fungus takes over the entire body and it yeah. just, you know. Yeah. 
So it's and not it, like a, some kind of supernatural fungus that all of a sudden it's ascension and moving by itself. No, it's actually just yeah. – um, so when the body finally gets overcome by fungus, it can't move anymore. Right. Right. It kind of like the fungus basically – it, the fungus is devouring the body from within right. essentially. So ultimately the body will just crash and then the fungus will keep eating. Right. And it's done. Right. Okay. And you, I, I, I'm assuming here that you really you can't have any contact with it. I'm well, no, that's that, why, you yeah, know, they, yeah, they so. test people and things happen when they're testing positive. Yeah. Right. So and the cool idea, I don't know if they use it in this, but um, because of the way funguses reproduce anyway, usually as spores and such, even a quarantine c- could like not work because uh, if right. it gets in the air enough that those you can travel for miles in the air with spores. Right. 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 Yeah. So I think I think there's going to be a lot of explaining as to how it actually works and how it passes to people if it's only through them getting bites and getting it into the blood or mm-hmm. that kind of thing because because when they when they do have dead bodies they burn them so they make sure that it's dead yeah. right um that's their solution at the moment right <laughs> so we'll see but yeah it's it's definitely a good watch so far mm-hmm. okay so um but at, after all that what's happening Ooh. in the rest of the world outside of us miss dawn well, uh, there was a little bit of news this week, not not a whole heck of a lot, but some interesting stuff. Um, just quickly, we got confirmed renewals for Quantum Leap, Reginald the Vampire, and the, the cult classic Shorzy <laughs> from Letterkenny. Um, so we know those have second seasons coming. Uh, we also got a sizzle reel from Netflix for releases that are coming in 2023. Yeah. We got quick. Quick glimpses of some things and some dates for some things. Uh, for example, we got the glimpse of Luther, the Fallen Son, which is uh, the latest Luther movie following up uh, with the, the BBC detective played by Idris Elba. Uh, the, when we last left him, he was behind bars, and that's where this one starts. And then he escapes from prison to uh, help out catch this uh, a, a gruesome new serial killer. And we're getting that on March 10th. Then we have Extraction 2, uh, which, if you saw the first one with Chris Hemsworth, was a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, So this time around, he is breaking into an impenetrable prison and rescuing the battered family of a ruthless Georgian gangster. (laughs) So that's coming in June, on June 16th. And, of course, we got uh, another glimpse of They Clone Tyrone. (laughs) <laughs> with okay. John Boyega and Jamie Foxx, that very funky 70s looking kind of thing that's maybe science-y, maybe alien-y, we don't know, but it's coming July 21st. <laughs> um, yeah, so there were glimpses of a couple other things, but not not really geeky mm. things. So. Yeah, well, actually, the one they put at the very end of that, if I remember right, is actually, I'm kind of excited because I don't know anything about it, but I forget the name of the movie, but it's actually a sci-fi, outer space sci-fi movie they're doing. Yeah, the one from Zack Snyder. Yeah. They gave a glimpse. No, I don't oh, uh, I, like I don't know anything Rebel about it, but Rebel it looks Moon. like it might yeah. be interesting. What was it? Yeah. Rebel Moon. Yeah. I'm just excited because it's an outer space sci-fi movie. We don't get enough of that. Right. They didn't put a date on it, but they, they figured, you know, we want you to remember we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be it's uh ballpark for um November, December. Well, it is this year. Like their yeah. sizzle reel was all for this year, so mm-hmm. it's definitely this year. So if they didn't put a date on it, it's definitely later in the year. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll definitely be getting more about that because they don't stop talking about it. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, now, an, an interesting thing I found out, and I asked Kylan if he remembered them, uh, just to be sure. Uh, multimedia company Nacelle has acquired the rights to the Biker Mice from Mars franchise. I remember that. I never watched it, but I remember and it. They're reportedly preparing to revive that IP within the next few months, with the company allegedly planning to release a new toy line and animated series. Hey, with the Ninja Turtles still being super hot, they're still looking for something that'll hit that same market. That's what I mean, this was. This was one of the mar- one of the ones that came out after Ninja Turtles originally in the nineties exactly. to right. try to actually hit that market. This Street Sharks, um, they had the one yeah. about the teenagers from Beverly Hills or something, some mutant teenagers. Uh, <laughs> that that was tattooed. Uh... Tattoo teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills, which yeah. was like uh, one of the Power Rangers knockoffs. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> of course, it was. It was. It was the whole anthropomorphic animal kick, right. for yeah. the most part. Um, so the for for those who are who would actually look forward to this, perhaps uh, there's no word on whether it's going to be a complete reboot or an actual sequel of the series. I don't know if the series had an actual storyline. That it should have a sequel, but <laughs> I, I I didn't I, I thought I watched maybe one or two episodes. To be honest with you, I just like the name of it. Yeah, right, they had the a funky thing. look to it that's too. I yeah, they were like these hugely muscular mice with like the the biker jacket and vests and, and stuff. chains yeah. and yeah. So um, it was actually created by Rick Ungar and it was produced by Marvel Productions Animation Studio. With Stan Lee as an executive producer. Now, but see, Marvel at that point was doing a lot because Marvel did Defenders of the Earth also. Mm-hmm. So this was like right along in that. And uh, this actually was popular enough to run for three seasons. Yep. It yeah. It started in 1993. It ran for three seasons. And it got a serialized comic book. And it got a Super NES video game. Yeah. So, you know, if you're into it, it's coming. <laughs> We might have to just see, just because. <laughs> um, another thing I just actually spotted today was that Amazon Prime Video is reportedly adapting a couple of hit image comics. And we already know they do pretty well doing comics to television kind of things. Mm-hmm. So they are now developing live action adaptations of Sex Criminals and Bitch Planet. Oh, I've read okay. both of these. I love both of these. Um, the shows are being developed as part of a new overall deal struck by creators Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick, yeah. who we know are married, have been married many years. Yes. Uh, Matt Fraction did, did uh, Sex Criminals, Kelly Sue DeConnick did Bitch Planet, as well as some very iconic runs of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, these are apparently just the, the first two shows being developed under that deal. Okay. So just look up who they've done that are not part of the big two, and we may be getting more shows for that. Um, for those who aren't familiar, in Sex Criminals, from both Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky, another well-known artist, uh, an actor and librarian discover they can freeze time when they complete sex acts, mm-hmm. and they use that frozen time to commit crimes, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, actually, the librarian, her library is actually at risk of being closed, so when they they individually discover this can happen, uh, when when the climax happens for some reason, and then they discover they can do it together, but they have to at the same time. Um, and so everything's frozen, and they decide why not rob banks to make money for this library to keep it going. So it's kind of like Robin Hood almost because they're doing it for something good, right? <laughs> but they're still committing the crimes. But of course, 
there there is a um a police force that that uh doesn't like what's going on it's the, like the time force kind of thing uh, there's know, they the know time, they're doing yeah. these things and they're being bad right uh so it's interesting it, obviously it's a completely adult comic but it's really fun actually pretty fun um mm-hmm. and then uh bitch planet is uh a little more of the almost apocalyptic mad max type of feel it's uh, about non-compliant women being shipped to a planet-wide correctional facility when they refuse to obey the laws of the patriarchy. Ah. Not surprisingly coming from Kelly Sue DeConnick. But, right, right, right. <laughs> but it could, it could be quite an awesome, also very adult um, television series. Right. But it has, it has a huge following. Right. Uh, and, and so does she, so it's not surprising. So I was kind of happy when I saw that. <clears throat> The, the the last piece of news I have is something that I, I figure Kylan's going to want to talk about. Um, yeah, maybe. And it's uh, the fact that Hasbro revealed the first footage from the much-anticipated 30th anniversary special for the Power Rangers. Yes. Featuring interviews from the cast, the first glimpse of the Rangers back in their costumes, uh, titled Once and Always. It'll hit Netflix April 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does bring together your uh, a lot of the the cast that you want to see mm. uh the ones who played billy zach adam rocky aisha and cat um interestingly in the video the cast reflects on coming back together after so many years and it's actually the first time a few rangers have ever filmed a project together mm-hmm. because um cardenas who plays rocky and uh jones who plays um zach never actually appeared together on screen despite both being part of the mighty Morphin power rangers right well <laughs> what's he because cardenas came on like cardenas uh johnny young bosch and uh Sutherland? uh karen ashley yeah they yeah. the three of them came on after the original yeah weren't they the second generation and black rangers they left yeah right. they, they were so the first of the second generation right. right but uh because of certain well eventually uh austin st john the original red uh red ranger came back to the series that he had actually acted with some of the other some from the second group but for several reasons um uh the actor who played zach um emmanuel jones yeah, well, Walter Emanuel Jones, he had this is his first time actually participating in the franchise since he's left. Yeah. So it, it this this was a really big deal for him to do that. Well, for fans uh, who know behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. A lot went on with that a original cast yeah. mm-hmm. after the fact. So it's not surprising that some didn't want to participate in things, especially right. if they involve certain other people. Right. Right. And so um and and watching this you do see the Green Ranger. Yeah, I heard that he's supposed um, to be in so there, but I'm curious I'm curious how they're do, how they're doing that because uh as far as I know, um JDF was not a part of the uh yeah, I thought the he reunion. specifically said he wasn't going to participate. Well, right. You know how they and do Austin, it. And Austin St. John wasn't either. Yeah. Uh, but it did eventually. I mean, they come... could just have them in the costumes. Right. Yeah, they just have stunt now, doubles get in the costumes. They never take the yeah, mask off. It, right, but I They've think done but that part in the past. of this is 
Yeah, but part of it is seeing them outside of the helmet. Right. They're not. That's, well, yeah. you got. That's why you see them in the clip. Because right. Yeah. You got to remember though yeah, when so they first introduced the Green Ranger, no mm-hmm. one knew it was underneath because he did. He what for almost an entire season he never took that mask off. No, he was only he was only like that for like five episodes, dude. There was only fifteen <laughs> I, I episodes per season. The, huh? <laughs> there wasn't that many episodes in each season. Yes, sir. <laughs> there were fifty-two episodes in the first season, dude. <laughs> well, there, there. Also, um, Amy Joe decided not to come back. Yeah, but she did. She did come out saying that she's she did film something for it. Okay. So she's not. She's not back as her role as Pink Ranger, right? But she did film something for okay. it. Uh, now I'm uh, pretty sure that there is going to be something. Uh, a memorial to Jason David Frank. Yeah, um, sure of that. So that they they would feel obligated to do that. Yeah, regardless of whether he had wanted to participate or not. Right. Well, considering he was in, he's been in more Power Rangers episodes than anybody ever. <laughs> right. 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 So. So yeah. So it's um I'm excited. Um and um when I found out I got the date of my uh, my fellow Ranger friend. <laughs> He said it to me, which was which was pretty much an uninspiring day. I saw that. I'm like, okay, all right. It made your got, day. Made your it day. made hey, my day. So I want to know though. I'm excited. I need to know though. Is Bulk and Skull in it? <laughs> you know, you know what? <laughs> they may be. Uh, they actually were in. They've been in a couple series. Uh, I know. The most. Let me think. Was it uh, Samurai? Uh, super, I think it was Super Samurai. I think that's the most recent season they were in. And they both look really good. Like Skull, the yeah, Skull's nephew was a ranger. And Skull, well, Skull was the one kind of telling them everything that he needed to do to be a ranger. Okay. So, like, like Skull is rich. Skull, I don't know what in the world Skull did. I don't think we want to know. Skull was like, like limousines wealthy all this stuff like he turned his life around somehow so did it have to do with skateboards or something something like yeah, that yeah. so far all the all the reports on it don't have them listed they, okay they said, but people are talking about how it'd be great if there was at least a cameo or something but they right. don't have them confirmed at all right so right so yeah so but there we go i may watch it i did i watched like i said i watched the original mighty morphin for like one or two seasons and after they started changing people out every season, I'm like, I'm, I can't follow this. I don't know. <laughs> Especially when it became mm-hmm. a new show every season, which I understand because they they only did a certain amount of the original Super Sentai, and then they then they started adapting other shows, so they had to change the Rangers and just put the Ranger name on it. Right. I just, I, I've watched, like, Kylan watches reruns of it and stuff, and I've watched some of it. I'm just curious, like, how often they get the actors local actors and whether or not they can hide their accent well because <laughs> <Right. laughs> that, that new zealand slips through a lot <laughs> like there there was one episode in because uh, i'm watching time force and there's one episode in time force and there's a guy that i'm pretty sure is the red ranger in dino thunder and i'm looking at him and i'm like you know what? Because every now and then, like when you're watching Dino Thunder, every now and then that the New Zealand accent mm-hmm. comes out. It's like during regular conversation, then they you say just something. Start looking these up on IMDb and stuff. See who's yeah. doing what. Yeah. 
So, so yeah. So, you know, you, whenever you're like, why these is supposed to be an American city, but why does it look like, well, there's a reason why. <laughs> It's all in New Zealand. There's a lot of tropical vegetation for it to be an American city. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the first, the first, um, what you call it, Mighty Morphin, they tried to play that off that Angel Grove, California was supposed to be somewhere outside of, um, like LA or something. So you could get away, right. try to get away with some of that. Yeah. Right. I don't know what they did for the settings for the rest of them. They didn't, they didn't try. They That's didn't they try. <laughs> I mean, there was one season, there's like one season when they were in space, there was another season where, they basically uh, they just made it some innocuous city. Yeah, you know, so it worked. So I'm like, okay, yeah, it was the one yeah. that they was like mythical, right? Yeah. Well, no, just it just like some any basically any city USA, but they give it some like you know something bay. So yeah, there's like, always a bay. There's so because there's always there's ships out there, you know, whatever. But you know, like okay, like what? You're not there for the city. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. <laughs> So is that all that we got at the moment? That's the news for the moment. Now we get to get into the Cold War. That's right. Yes. It's back. The new Cold War. <laughs> like I said last week, this this third season, when you compare it to the rest of Jack Ryan, now we're getting into Jack Ryan here, but um, it, I looked at it as this is the spy show I've always wanted to didn't know. Yeah. I didn't I mean, know I wanted this. <laughs> I mean, it's what it helps that, you know, like a, a lot of shows for the longest time, the the uh, the bad guy was a, either a terrorist or it was around terrorism of yeah. some type. Um, and, you know, the thing is, since you no, know, we're living in a post 9-11 world, that's that is a reality that we all know. Uh, but for a lot of us who are over 30, I'd say, um, there was a whole other, uh, anything that involves spies, um, it was a lot, a lot of it was, um, East versus West. Yes. That's what it was. Um, and now the nice thing is right now, other than, I mean. Right now, it's kind of coming back around to real world politics, but this actually almost makes it feel more less realistic. Some that you can actually sit back and just watch the story on, because right. when you're doing the terrorists, you can do that for a while. But I kind of get tired. It feels almost too real. It's like this is stuff we're having to deal with in real life. I don't know if I want that in my fantasy. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I get that. It's uh it's one of those things that like it depends on how it's handled uh it's sort of like you know what you would get in 24 is a lot grittier than what you would get in um say uh the most recent uh bond run cuz like yeah. you know you sort of like you got these high money organizations that are you no know, giving you no know, money and weapons and that sort of thing to these terrorist groups, but at the same time, it's sort of like they're off doing their bad thing, but you don't, you, what you're seeing is the money side of it. Whereas when you're watching something like 24, you know, it, it was you no, know, this middle Eastern group that did this thing that funded the bombing of this building or something like that. Yeah. So it felt real, you know, it, it hit a lot closer to home. 
Uh, SO, once you started getting a little more, you get more to a little bit of the Cold War and that sort of thing. You're talking about something that ended, you know, 89, 90. Yeah. And yeah, so it feels... It's almost it's weird it's an almost nostalgia type of feel it is it is even though this isn't technically a cold war story but it has all the earmarks because it's all in the same region and it's all what we remember from there in modern times well then right and what we got going on now yeah after this exactly. is filmed. <laughs> i mean all you all you really need to make up the cold war is the u.s russia and nukes yeah, that's, that's it. That's all your that's your elements. It doesn't matter what time it's done. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. Elements. And it's an easy story, um, easy outline of a story to make. Right. Then you just got to write in the yeah. details. Exactly. I mean, I was uh, I, I just finished uh, fairly recently watching The Americans. And so and that which was a phenomenal series. It was so good. And so, you know, when I'm watching when when um Season three of Jack Ryan started, and it starts off in uh, you know Russia in 1968. It all of a sudden, I I started, I felt this connection to the Americans because the Americans takes place in like basically it's it, it follows two Russian spies operating in the United States in the 80s, um, but you see a lot of flashbacks to uh their training in russia in the 60s and so uh you get a whole especially when you get in the 80s there's a whole thing with star wars and uh the the missile uh the the missile defense systems escalations like yeah. you know the the buildup of weapons <clears throat> and that sort of thing up to where we get per Perestroika. Perestroika. Thank you. <laughs> With um, Gorbachev. Mm -hmm. And and that was a whole, like, by the time you got to the end of that, that was really interesting seeing how the series, seeing that from the Russians' point of view and also from the Americans' point of view, uh, because you had the, the, the couple, you had the husband who was pretty much Americanized. Mm -hmm. And he was good with it. And the wife, who was still very Russian, and she kind of saw Gorbachev as a traitor. traitor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so a lot of them saw him as a traitor. So yeah. you had all that. So in that, when I'm watching the opening scene in um, of Jack Ryan, honestly, it threw me right back to that. So uh, that. And, but in a good way, in a really good way. Interestingly, you had a couple of much older characters in Jack Ryan that basically were from the original Cold War. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, you it's kind of like what I, um, what we got alluded to a little bit last week. How, um, it's weird seeing anything from a Russian point of view when you grew up in the U.S., especially growing up mm -hmm. in the '80s and '70s and '80s in the U.S. And mm -hmm. um, we look at it from the point of view of who was seen as the victors. And we look at it as like, um, from our point of view, looking into Russia, why would anybody mm -hmm. want to go feel nostalgia for the conditions they had and all these other problems? But for a lot of the people in Russia, that's what they knew. They they had no problem with the way they with the way Russia was being run and stuff. So they right. a lot well, of the older people in Russia, from these points of view, are looking at it as like, wait a minute, we had it so much better back when uh, with the Soviet Union. 
we're looking at it like, wait a minute, how can you do that? Because we were inbreded that the Soviet Union are the bad guys, no matter what. Communism is evil. And they were right. looking at it as like, hey, that was just, that was our government. That was fine. With um, from their point of view, democracy was evil. Yeah, because <laughs> well, I mean, they were they were provided for. Right. Yeah. Some of it may have been harsh. They may have had to stand in lines, but they were still provided for. Right. Exactly. Right. And and that was uh that was something that was it was interesting because this to go back to the Americans one last time they they were a, an upper middle class couple living just outside of Washington D.C. so they had all the privilege they had grown up with none of the privilege you know because it it was Russia and then they come here and you know they got this nice house and they got two cars and they they could eat wherever they want and and at the same time there was this disdain for it well, you know because they they, they were it. yeah they yeah. they resented it because you know why why does it why does america get to ha- have all this why didn't we have this so is america took this from us we could have had right. this um and so it was interesting to see that but you um, kind of get that in a lot of movies or shows that have the cold war period like right. just you get the whole it, it's always us versus them when it, you got the word war involved anyway exactly but when when you've got the russian thing going on mm-hmm. it's always a big thing like and there are two mindsets with the russians it's either the u.s took everything from us the u.s is the problem we're living like this because of them or it's the ones who want to escape and get to the U.S. Mm-hmm. so they can freely indulge in everything. And, and there were some Russians that when they uh, when 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 they would uh, escape, mm-hmm. that that's what happened. Yeah, and, and that's so, why that was it, that was such a big deal. That defecting was such a huge deal yes. in the eighties. That that was you'd always see that on the news. You'd see right. like this athlete defected or this actor or you know, dancer like right. Mikhail Barishnikov. Like right. you know, that was that was big deals when right. it happened. And, and so to see to see some of the some of these old cold warriors still they're they're still holding on to the glory days. Yeah. They're still fighting yeah. the war. They're right. they're still fighting the war. And you know, you would think that you know, 30, 40 years later, they'd let it go. That they, they, they would let it go, but it, but it's not just that. Is there's a younger generation that holds that time in a romantic view, yeah. and well, they want to bring it back. As we said before, that was another thing we pointed out last week that a lot of it's the people that never lived in that time, so they don't have any actual point of reference. They just have the stories, right? right. Right, and you know, and it's it, almost like a, it's almost like a fantasy world. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it must it, the grass is greener. It must have been better. Mm-hmm. This sounds wonderful. We need to return to that. But then when you get there, you're like, oh wait, right, <laughs> right. You know, and 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 so one, and that was uh, to for that to be the foundation for season three. Um, uh, it this felt like it could have easily had been a Tom Clancy novel. Hmm, I wonder you know. why. Huh? <laughs> I wonder why. Well, I mean, I'm just saying there was a lot of stuff that, especially some of the newer books now, mm-hmm. don't feel like it was Tom Clancy. It's Tom Clancy's characters. Right. But yeah. it doesn't feel like it could have been a Tom Clancy right. story. So, well, those ghostwriters are not doing a yeah. good job. No, no. One, 
one of the things I did like though when this starts off right away at the very beginning of this show that um I have loved compared to especially to created the other seasons. You start off, um, Jack Ryan is already a field operative using his analytical experience to actually do field ops. There's no right. there's none of this trying to figure out what to do in the field because he's trying to get out of the office. He didn't have to do any of that. No, he's a spy in the beginning of this. Right. Well, I mean, he he went through he, that in season one. He proved I know. himself. <laughs> that, that's what was no. nice about the this third season. It, as we've said with some of our other shows we like, when um when you get to second and third seasons, all of a sudden you can just jump right into the story and go. Right. Right. Now, he hates field work, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> but he, Which is ironic because he's really good at it. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. He is. He is. He just he hates it. Like even in the books, he hates it. But, you know, but he he proves that you need analysts in the field. You do. Yeah. Not you just do. not just behind the desk. And uh, one of the things I read about this is that John Krasinski, his, his inspiration for his version of Jack Ryan was uh, Harrison Ford's uh, take on the character from Patriot Games, mm-hmm. which um. That is probably my favorite Jack Ryan movie. Um, the one, one of the things that's most appealing about Jack is that he feels like an a- an average guy mm-hmm. that's in this extraordinary situation, yeah. and Krasinski does that well. Yeah. See, for me, you my know? my favorite one they've done was it just goes back to the first, the Hunt for October, but it's not. That's really more of a um, Cold War sub movie with Jack mm-hmm. Ryan in it. Right. <laughs> That's what you get at the end of the series. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was saying. I told yeah, you that last week that the last two episodes, without yeah. it's not subs, but it feels like a Hunt for Red October movie or a and, modern and version it, of it. And at least you don't have a someone who's Scottish being Russian who can't do Russian. Yeah, he still has a <laughs> Scottish accent. You have actual people who sound Russian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're right. That, as I said last week, it's like the first, um, the first six episodes of this are one story. The last yeah. two is the is the movie finale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel like a whole separate thing almost. Mm-hmm. That's why I told you take a break after six and think about all that stuff, <laughs> then go into seven and eight. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Now and you know, I kept hoping well, I know we got one more season coming. Mm-hmm. So there is one uh cameo that I really need to happen. Um, I really need I I need I need John Clark to show up. Yeah. Um, John Clark because in the books John Clark figures heavily. Uh, to a certain degree, John Clark plays the same role. He basically that's the role that uh I forget the guy's name the uh, the other character that was he was ex CIA but he's now sort of like a independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of like the role that John Clark portrays in the Jack Ryan books. Well, that, I, I, actually, I, we kind of see him. Yeah, we kind of had that without the name. And the um, what was the guy he picked up and he that um was a disavowed agent that was working private that he was working with him. Yeah, yeah, I forget his name. Um, but it, it's that same role. He was right. a CIA that left the organization and now is just working on his own as a private as a um private well yeah because because he was pretty much the only one that was that jack could trust <laughs> you know yeah. well the cool thing about that character in this was um uh, mike november mike yeah well 
Mike's character in this is like for most a lot of the spy shows they do, especially when they're going over the top spy stuff, is someone who's a who has left the organization. They've left the company. They're on their own, and they usually aren't portrayed as um, still having the same ideals of an American agent. But in right. this, Mike is still an American agent, just not working for the company. Right. He still has same the same ideals. He see, still sees the same political views. I mean, he'll work for whoever, but he still has the same morals, the same character of an actual CIA agent. Right. Which, Which isn't much. I, I don't <laughs> see why they won't show John Clark. I mean... We, we saw without remorse with Michael B. Jordan already. They have the guy. Right. <laughs> they, right. So, we know who he is. <laughs> well, and I think what's going to happen. Minor crossover. That's all you need. So we know that Ding Chavez is coming in the, uh, the final season. Right. Ding Chavez is basically Jack, uh, is, uh, John Clark's number two see. in the books. See. So. I think that if we sing Dean Chavez, we're going to see John Clark. And, and part of it will depend, obviously, on which plot they follow, like right. where, where they want to go with it and if they're doing anything for the book. Uh, see, it seems to me, it seems <laughs> like I've read that they, they're wanting to spin this off. And you kind of feel like that the world is definitely getting bigger. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Jack, I mean, Jack, Jack and James have both, you know, they both come away with these big awards from from the government mm-hmm. for what they did that is it nobody ever knows. Yeah, is it so, me or does it feel like one of those, they give you the, um, you get this medal and it's awesome and they, they tell you thank you, then as you're walking out the door, you got to hand it back over. Right. Because right. you're not allowed to actually, ha- no one's ever allowed to see that award. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's the thing though, like, there comes a point where if you're a spy and if you're doing great things and if you're getting rewarded for it, people start to know you and that's not good. Yeah. Right. So and that's where I think that's where I think Jack Ryan is going. Like he's getting too well known. Mm-hmm. And and the people that he's supposed to interact with, the ones that aren't supposed to know who he is, are are knowing who he is. Yeah. Right. Like well, comes, there comes a point when a spy can't be a spy anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It'll be interesting actually if they do something like that with this, because ever, over these three seasons and over the character of Jack Ryan, we realize that he can't sit behind a desk and not do something. And tell someone else right. to do what he what he's done. No, he's got to be out there to see what situation that's happening. So he would never be do well as a director or as a chief or any of that those type things. Well, see, in the books, he eventually becomes president of the United States. So <laughs> that's a long way to go from the show, right? Yeah, now. yeah, that, that, there's a long way to go. But like, if they spin it off, he could come back eventually as president, <laughs> right? You know, so I'm like, okay. Uh, I mean, there, there's because. He moves up in the organization. Right. Eventually, he's no longer in the field, but he gets pulled back into the field because, you know. Because he's Jack Ryan. It's his series. Yeah, so. he, he wants to be hands-on at the same time as not being too involved. Right. But he knows he's the one who can solve the issues. Right. So it's kind of, he's got this, like, inner turmoil almost. Like, I want to do this, but I don't want to be there, and I don't want to potentially get killed every single mm-hmm. time I go right. on the street. <laughs> Which right. is funny because that brings it all the way back around because in the first season of this show, he had that same argument for himself, but he didn't want to go in the field. He wanted to stay in the office. Right, exactly. Right. You know, he he's he's good. He's he's good. He's good behind a desk, and he's good in the field. And unfortunately, uh, you know that they they put him where they can use him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and you know he's and that's usually right in the direct line of sight to someone else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, and I, you know, I like what they've done with uh, James Greer. Oh like, yeah, you're seeing the books. James Greer is 
like the deputy director of special ops. You know, so he's sort of like the guy behind the desk and Jack is, you know, answering to him. Uh, but, you know, in this version, you know, you have him as a, like, the case, like a field case officer. Yeah. You know, or or, or like a station mark, a station chief. Yeah. Um, well, he starts off, and, he, had, he um, had left Moscow because he was the ch- station chief of Moscow for a while. Right. Right. Which is and, what brings it back into this um season. Right. And that was something that he well, you, you see that um he has some deep ties in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's never been there before. Never been there before. No. 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 He's, I, he's never been a lot of places. Yeah. I do find <laughs> it um it was kind of fun the watching this show because um and then seeing how much these guys are just freely walking around in in these other countries when they're technically illegally there on some a lot of times. <laughs> well, you hide in plain sight. Yeah, Dude, I can. I they can blend tell right you from in. Personal experience. I can tell you from personal experience. If you walk around like you're supposed to be someplace where you're not supposed to be, people are not going to question you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can tell you that from personal experience. Well, we've that, talked that, about that before it. on here. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so, uh, and especially, I mean, especially if you're a spy, you've already got a story. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone were to come along and question you about it, you've got a whole story already. Mm-hmm. You've probably got the papers to, to prove why you should be somewhere, even though the papers aren't really yours. But or, Right. Or, 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 or act confused as all get out. Cause if you look either completely lost or you look completely confident, people either are going to stay away from you because they don't want to be or bothered. Or or are they going to help well, you? One or the other. If you're in another country and you act like you don't know the language, they'll help you. Yeah. I've actually met one of the guys that has helped train some of these type of people that are behind the enemy lines types. And part mm-hmm. of the training is getting dropped off in another country with nothing on you at all and to get surviving for a week and coming out. Yeah. If I, so that you that's part of the test on did you learn what you're learning is can you actually survive somewhere on another country with no ID, no money, and still um, live and survive and come out in like a week. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so that's, I know that's that, what that's they're trained to do. Uh, standard. Yeah. That that's some of the standard uh, <clears throat> training for for a lot of Delta operators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because uh, it's like that's at least that's, that's the movie stuff we do know anyway. That's right. movie type stuff, but it's actual real life also. <laughs> right. Well, because I mean it it hits all the points that you have to know for that type of life. Mm-hmm. It's not just a job, it's your life because really your life is at risk every moment of that job. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it hits the points of thinking on your feet, thinking on the, on the move, solving problems, getting by, disguising yourself, just surviving. Right. So it, it's a big, I'd like to know how many people don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, or what happens to the ones that don't? Right. You know, do they end up in prison and someone gets them out, or do they just stay there? <laughs> well, you know, it's sort of like, oh, who? Oh, we don't know who that person. Yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. You we know? don't know them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, like I said, I I loved the season. This was been my favorite season of the. But as we were talking, all the stuff we've been talking about, this is what all of us grew up watching as spy as a spy show on TV. Spies right. when we were growing up was. America versus Russia, America versus USSR, or um, eventually right. it became China because USSR fell. But it was right. still it was go- global governments against each other, right? And it it just it's always to me it's always felt weird 
moving into um, the post-Cold War era to where we're not, the other countries are not the bad guys. Right. The bad guys are just guys that are in the area and you don't know who they are, which is a lot scarier time. We live in a much scarier time now than we did in the, in the 80s. It was scary right. because they had that big red button that could blow up the entire planet. But everybody right. knew in the back of their heads that's never going to happen. But you know, that or you, was, th- that you was thought G. it would Joe never happen. That was G.I. Joe versus Cobra. But it, they still <laughs> think about it, it. Yeah, but Cobra in that show felt like a large global or not a, it's a global organization, but it felt country level. Because Cobra was so big, and the way they yeah. ran it in there, they, because right. but then again, at that point, um, especially for kids shows, and kids didn't understand the way a terrorist organization works for real. Where yeah. now we know yeah. how this works, which right. it makes it uh, much more terrifying. Right. right. So it's like this, it, <laughs> this was a good season overall for like Gen Xers, basically, who grew up with it, or. For history buffs. Right. Yeah. Like, like regardless of your age, if you're into certain periods of history or into like, you know, just basically global conflict, that kind of thing, this was a good season for you to, to see the workings behind the scenes on both sides. Right. Because it, like, like we said, it wasn't just seeing what was going on the U S side because some, most of that was screwed up anyway Mm -hmm. with people just wanting to drop the bomb. Um, and then, and, uh, but you saw the Russian side and how they were having difficulties in both directions. Right. You know, so it, it gave you a fuller picture, even if you only just grew up in that and didn't really read into it too much. It gave you a fuller picture of what even might've gone on back then. Right. It would, right. would be really interesting. What I'd like to know and geeksters, I know you're out there listening and you don't, don't always respond, but I really, really need you to respond to this, especially anybody under the age of 30. I want to know what was your reaction to this show, to this season of this show, because you got to think um, the the wall fell in 90 or 91, right? Officially, Uh, I believe it was 91. Yeah. Berlin Wall came down in 91. So anybody born after or from like 89 through now, because you didn't live through any of this. You you obviously have heard about it in history books and you've seen it from your parents and things like that. But what did you think of this show? Because we they have they have a absolutely totally different view on the on this show i think than we do like right. i like i keep saying this is something we remember times like this when the, with the um government versus government mm-hmm. that'd be that's, really that's cool true. to um get someone younger on here that actually would un- that didn't live it right right and i think is it it was it would feel like some kind of foreign thing like even for us um this to be like the equivalent of World War Two, mm-hmm. um, but even World War Two made sense to us because we were we're still in the same idea of, you know, the ally, the United States or NATO versus East the versus West. Block. Yeah, right. it was East versus you know. West. Right. Yeah, so there was that. So we still had that frame of reference, but now they don't really have Global that frame of reference. Is is much different now. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, because you got to think anybody born after 1991, anybody 30 years or younger, really, the threat of global thermonuclear war really hasn't been technically a threat for gl- right, on the global right. scale. When we grew up in the yeah. 90s or 70s, 80s and 50s and 60s, that was actually a real threat. If someone yeah, would launch yes. a missile, the world's done. Well, right. 
they te- they they you know learn things in school that they don't really learn now. Hmm. Well, yeah, stuff like now. Well, I don't... Back then, you know, they they hid under their desks for that reason, and now, you know, it's for other reasons. Yeah. See, right. when we were in school for Vicky and I, I don't know, but you where you guys were at, but here they didn't have um fallout drills and stuff like that, and the nuclear um bomb um drills. I know in the seventies they had some. But um, well, I think when I get, you guys were in school just a couple of years before us, so you guys had late seventies. You were already in school, and in, up into mm-hmm. the eighties, that that threat had dropped back enough that we re- it didn't seem like a actual constant threat that this might happen. Well, right. we we only had um where I grew up, we had evacuation drills for the sake of having a nuclear power plant within a relatively nearby yeah. kind of distance. So we had evacuation for that sake, not for bombs, but yeah. for a plant leak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, the thing is, we grew up knowing global threats. That was the issue. It was global. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at all of the exercises that kids take, the drills they do in school and that, it's local threats. Yeah. And once you know, again... And that, and one way or another, it's a threat. Like yeah. it's a threat to your life, whether it's local or global. But the global is so much more prevalent than it ever was in our days in school. Yeah, that it's you kind of have to focus on what's most important. That's mm-hmm. that. As I said, it goes back to a difference of, yeah, we lived in a world where you're worried about the world blowing up, whereas the kids now are worried about is my school going to survive the day? Right. It's a right. much much scarier time. I mean, you get you get the news of like North Korea doing whatever or the current Russia being an idiot about whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like the same degree of threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no. when it comes to North Korea, you look at it and he's like, you know what? We uh, we understand now the power of what our defense systems are, that yeah. even if right. he had something that could hit us, it's not going to make it out of North Korean airspace if it's an actual threat. Right. Right. We we've fully believe most uh, most americans i think in general believe that you know what we'll shoot it down before it goes anywhere right. or right. china will even though china is not always our friends china doesn't like the, him doing this stuff either right <laughs> no which i'm surprised that um he's still doing stuff with them sitting right beside him but that, still in russia back, even putin in russia then. is not gonna do something that's a global threat because he understands right. as much as everybody does that that option is still there to d- that everything's done right and, and back then you didn't find out these things yeah no like even when we were growing up they didn't release a lot of this sort of detail Mm-mm. um on the nightly news or investigative reporting about who yeah. got what bombs mm. and such. like you didn't hear about that the world right. is much smaller now yeah exactly well you know we we, we know about mutual assured destruction and yeah. that that is that is a thing and that generally is the thing that keeps everything in balance keeps us all well behaved right generally but at the same time if you know it's mutual, you're just like, well, if it happens, it happens. We got nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you can't, the average person can't do anything about it anyway. Right. If it happens, it happens. And I think that's where the attitude is. It's kind of like, we're not scared of it anymore because we can't do anything anyway. Right. And like right. I said, the stuff that we can handle is much scarier. Yes. Right. Exactly. So that, that, that's kind of a sad state of the world now that the, um, that, that the kids especially have to deal with adults. We can actually understand what's going on. And help process it a little bit better. A lot of kids just don't, don't understand the way it works. No. And they have to figure out how to deal with this anyway. So um, but this ended up being a downer um, episode a little bit. But 
it's a fantastic yeah, show episode it's just well, i mean it's real life it's yeah so but um no the show like i said i think it was fantastic um but <laughs> geeksters i am serious you guys i give you guys all the information in the show um geekwatch1 at gmail.com let us know about what you thought about um this season especially anybody under the age of 30 mm-hmm. so yes. but um what else happened this season that you guys anything else you want to talk about? I love the way they disposed of that bomb, and they actually didn't stop it. They, it went off. Right, it, it went off, but they, you know, it, you know, and but that's that's the thing. Like sometimes the hero, the the the, the mission success doesn't mean one hundred percent. Sometimes right. it's going to be eighty five ninety. Yeah. You know, but well, the the whole point was to save people. Right. Yeah. You know, the bomb going off, okay, whatever, but as long as it didn't go off in the wrong spot. Yeah. Right. And they put they buried it under a, under all that dirt that where you know what the radiation should stay there, right? Right. But it probably so. won't. And you're a giant sandworm. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that leads into another franchise. Yeah, that, this that is where it turns to sci-fi. That's right. That's where Tremors started. See, this, right. this now we can go into a Tremors <laughs> spinoff from Jack Ryan, which you never thought would happen. Graboids in Eastern Europe. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch that. The original one was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Been a while. So, what else we want to cover on this? Or is that? Um, <laughs> I think that's it, dude. I did well. Let's get a little bit about the um, the ship stuff in the last in the final episode because that was awesome. All you needed was some oh, smoke yeah. in the air, and it was Hunt for Red October. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you needed guys smoking uh, on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I. You know that 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 whole. You know the whole thing, like the the captain, the the ship's captain, not believing Jack, but Jack pleading his case, and he wants to believe Jack, but he doesn't believe Jack. And then you have the all the crap going on on the other ship, and they they they've armed their weapons, and you're yep. like, I I know how it's going to end, but at the same time, it, you you just sitting there, you're like sitting on the edge of your seat and then, you know, and then, you know, j- just at the very last second, you know, true to mm-hmm. spy movie form, you know, there, there's the necessary uh, mutiny, so to speak, you know, to, to uh, remove, you remove that one crazy person who had access. I mean, cause the keys were already turned. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, crap. Okay. that's another one that um, kind of cool with what we were talking about with missile defenses that they actually showed the way a missile defense system actually works. Mm-hmm. They launch. We knock it down before it gets to us. Right. And then technically they fired on us, but there's no harm, no foul because nobody got injured. Right. But um, okay. that and um, the fact that showing the difference between naval combat now compared to where it was even 10 years ago. If I remember right, right we have no. um. No cannons on any of our destroyers anymore at all. Because if you get within range of a of the shipboard cannons, the giant guns on destroyers, you're already mm-hmm. too close. No, I thought we did. They they shot the missiles and stuff out. No, missiles, yeah. But all of our destroyers are missile destroyers now. They don't we don't have any can gun destroyers anymore. No gunboats that I know of. For the big guns, like the ones you know think about from World War Two and stuff like that. Yeah. We don't even use oh. those anymore. That you know of. Well hmm. I believe they've retired almost all of them. Because wow. they don't need them. I mean, in a world of missiles, the cannon's not going to hit anywhere near the range. No, they just set up uh, that, that's true drones. Too. Yeah. 
I mean, we still use the um, guns on like tanks, but you're hitting ground targets. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, because even is a if, weird you're, if you're a destroyer, you're being attacked by fighter jets. You know, you, you got missiles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so. and um, I don't know how many people realize, but most of the time we don't have a lot of um, like destroyers out there by themselves. No, they're part of a um, aircraft carrier group. So if there's right. fighter jets coming in, the carrier is going to launch and take care of those for you. Right. That's why we have a um, naval air force. <laughs> or the subs. That's true. Or submarines. Yeah. It's insane if you actually what we do know about what uh, um like a uh, aircraft carrier group is like thirty ships <laughs> between all the different th- parts of it. Yeah, so yeah, I mean it, it was it's a huge group. Yeah, so. it was cool the way they showed it on here, the way an actual um naval battle would look to, in a modern day. Right. It's actually a lot less, uh, a lot more um calm than what it used to be. <laughs> That well, you know, because in in the movies, you know, you usually you're you're seeing the chopping waters and orders are being shouted and guns are being loaded and uh-huh. you know there, there's a whereas you know you're you're in the you're in the quiet of the of the command center and type of keys <laughs> on a keyboard, yeah, pushing so, a button. Yeah. That's the whole battle. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've covered most of the show. Is there anything else you want to cut before we? No nah, man, I think I'm good. I, I what so what was your opinion? Do you was this your favorite season too or did you like the other ones? It, so far it's my favorite season. I definitely want to go back and watch all 3 again. Uh the third one uh the, this third one definitely feels feels like it has the best flow so far. Yeah. But I want to go back and rewatch just you know before I settle on that. But yeah. Cool. Well, like I said before, Geeksters, as we wrap this up, um, get a hold of us. Let us know what did you think of this show. Um, th- did you enjoy the first two seasons better? Did you enjoy this better? Let us know. You can always get a hold of us at www.geekwatch1.com. Anywhere, everywhere, all social media, we are Geekwatch1. If you put Geekwatch1 into a search bar and don't find us, let us know and Ms. Dawn will take care of the problem. I absolutely will send out my own spies. Also, you can um, email us, geekwatch1 at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Tangibound Network at tangiboundnetwork.com and the Weeby Geeks Podcast Collective at weebygeekspc.com. You can also go over on at straydogakron.com and check out our buddy Charlie Murphy with the Stray Dog Hot Dog Carts, the Cafe 388, uh, all of his different um, other ventures that he's involved in. He's got Bob's Hamburg in multiple locations here in Akron. You want a good hamburger? Check out Bob's Hamburg. They, they got one on East Avenue and then I believe inside of Mr. Zubbs over in Highland Square. Yes, they do. So, but other than that, for Kylan and Dawn and Vicky and myself, just remember no matter where you go, there you are.